Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Welcome, listening friends, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Joe Nettles, and I'm pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, located in the Bartahatchee community outside of Caledonia, Mississippi, on Wolf Road, 40283 Wolf Road. We meet 1030 a.m. every Sunday morning and would love you to join us. And I also welcome you on behalf of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, located at 11 Staten Road, right there on Highway 15 in between Matheson and Ackerman, Mississippi. They also meet at 1030 a.m. every Sunday morning. Their wonderful pastor is Elder David Wise, who assists me in this radio ministry. Ministry, and we would love for y'all to come and visit with us. Also, feel free to visit Clear Springs Primitive Baptist Church any second, third, fourth, or fifth Sunday. They do not meet on the first Sunday, but all the other Sundays at 1030 a.m. they meet, and they're located at 55 Tahoe Road in Mabin, Mississippi. Wonderful folks, and they will treat you so well. Go and visit with any of us, and we'll be glad to meet you. Uh, we invite you to go to gospel-of-grace.com. That's the website that services that is a service of this broadcast, and we want you to contact us via that website. Uh, there are archived messages, uh, frequently asked questions, church locators, links. We would love for you to join us. We also meet at 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening uh, at 200 West Garrett Road in Starkville, Mississippi, on the grounds of New Covenant Church. 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening, we have an abbreviated worship service, and then we have a meal together. And we want to be specifically there for not only Mississippi State students, but also uh, citizens of Starkville. And we desire to meet you and to worship Jesus Christ with you. Uh, have you ever just taken for granted the parable of the Good Samaritan? Have you ever just seen it as just a, you know, just a, a fable just something that is a happy little thing to consider. We hope and pray in this series of messages that we're bringing for you that you will be able to see a deeper meaning and in, uh, get a greater spiritual fulfillment out of the consideration of this very commonly known parable called the Good Samaritan. And uh, after today's hymn, we'll be right back with today's installment.
Thank you, my listening friends, for staying tuned with us here at the Gospel of Grace Radio Broadcast. And as always, I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and I'm opening my King James translation to Luke chapter 10 to the parable of the Good Samaritan, as is so commonly known among uh, people familiar with this wonderful, rich Bible account. Now, for context's sake, we're going to begin reading in Luke chapter 10. And uh, we'll actually skip the exchange with the Lord Jesus Christ and this prideful lawyer who is challenging him. Now, remember, this parable was given in response and reply by Jesus unto this lawyer who is seeing himself as high and lifted up and proud and vain. He thinks he's done everything just right. He thinks he can keep the law of God by loving God and loving his fellow man. He thinks he's already doing it. And here he poses a question to Jesus, challenging him, and who is my neighbor? Who am I to consider as my neighbor? If I'm to love my neighbor as I love myself, and who is my neighbor? I believe this man, as I said before in the other and the first installment in this series of messages, I believe this man already believed that he was right where he needed to be. He didn't need really to do anything else. I think he was just asking this, not truly because he felt like he lacked eternal life, but because he wanted the Lord to brag on him a little bit. Isn't that the way we are sometimes? We ask self-serving questions. Well, I believe that's what this situation was. Now, the Lord answered him with a parable. And the question was, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering, this is Luke chapter 10, verse 30. And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. If you recall our previous message in this series, and if you have not, you can go to gospel-of-grace.com and it will be there under our archived messages. And I encourage you to listen to that. But as a quick summation of my thoughts, I believe that a priest was being pointed at here because the priests in that day, and so many of the Jews in that day, I think even this lawyer that was uh, challenging Jesus with this self-serving question, I believe that they saw themselves as uh, so religiously exceptional that they were above and beyond normal men. They, uh, they considered others, so many others of a low estate, that they were unworthy because they were not as religious as they were. And we saw that this priest, this man who should have had a desire not only to give an understanding of the law, not only to make... Uh, sacrifices unto God for men. Uh, apparently he saw that as being all he needed to do because he certainly wasn't going to bow down and wipe the blood and the sweat and the tears and to pour in oil and wine and to succor this man. No, apparently he didn't. He passed by right on the other side. Well, now let's consider verse 32 because we just saw where one considered himself religiously exceptional and let's see one who considers himself exceptional in another way, I believe. In verse 32, and likewise a Levite. A Levite is a descendant of the tribe of Levi. And if you'll remember, Moses was of the tribe of Levi. Uh, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. So here is one that passed by on the other side. Now, as we saw, the priest was pointed out as being religiously exceptional. I believe this man saw himself as culturally and genetically exceptional. That because he was a Levite, 
He was very special. He's in a different class. Because if you look at the Old Testament law and the giving of the law, the Levites were exceptional. They were special in a sense in their service to the Lord because they were separated out as special unto the Lord and as exceptional unto the people because of their service among all of the tribes of Israel. They did not have just one particular bordered nation. No, they shared their inheritance among all of the tribes of Israel. They were interspersed throughout because they were a special classification separated by the Lord unto service of his people in a priestly and in a sacred way. Well, we've already spoken about a priest, but here's one. Now, notice now, not all Levites were priests, but all Levites were devoted to serving God's people in sacred ways, tending to the temple and uh, uh, synagogue worship and things of that nature. Well, first we look at the Levites. This man was particularly pointed out as a Levite, and I believe that's the best interpretation of this, that here Jesus is showing that you don't need to consider yourself religiously exceptional, and you also don't need to consider yourself genetically and uh, culturally exceptional and a different caste altogether. If we look at uh, classification, you go to Numbers chapter 3, verses 11 through 13, and we're going to see where the Lord did separate the Levites out. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, And I, behold, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of all the firstborn that opened the matrix among the children of Israel. Therefore the Levites shall be mine, because all the firstborn are mine. For on the day that I smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I hallowed unto me all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast. Mine shall they be. I am the Lord." So you see here, the Lord is pointing to the Levites as if they are the firstborn. This is an exceptional group under the law, okay? And they were of, uh, you know, somebody may say, well, you see, I'm a Levite, I'm exceptional. And I kind of believe that's what this man thought as he came by this lowly person in need who was powerless, who was half dead, who was smitten so grievously and viciously. He just thought, well, you know, we'll leave it for somebody else because, you know, that's really not my job. I'm in a different class altogether. And you see, also, I believe he thought himself as exceptional, more exceptional because of his lineage. Well, even Moses was a Levite. I can tell you, my friends, it's a terrible thing when people are proud uh, of something that they had absolutely nothing to do with, and that's to whom you were born. Now, uh, somebody may say, Brother, jo Brother Joe, you don't think it's good to be proud of your forefathers? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't see in the Word of God where it's ever good to be proud of anything. There's nothing wrong with being thankful to your Lord for your heritage. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But to think that one skin color or one nationality or, as the world would classify it, some race, although I see in the Word of God there's only one race of man, and that is mankind itself, it's, it's wrong for us to be that way. See, look in days of old. Miriam and Aaron, they were guilty of racism. Uh, Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and it says, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian, the Ethiopian woman. That's a woman of African uh, heritage. She has dark skin. She would be considered a black woman. Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? 
Now, were they just mad at Moses, or were they mad because he married a black woman? Well, they were mad because he married a woman that was of darker skin tone than he was. Well, I'm here to tell you, the Lord broke dogs from sucking eggs in this instance because the Lord does not care what color your skin is. You see, my friends, we should be like the late Martin Luther King declared that let us judge men on the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. This is the mistake that Miriam and Aaron made. And I'm telling you, Miriam, uh, in rebelling against her uh, position uh, in not keeping the, uh, the order that the Lord had established, I'll tell you, she was smitten with leprosy during this account. You see, in Acts chapter 17, it's pointed out that we are all of one blood, kindred. Uh, Acts 17, 25, Neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth. Notice that one blood of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. Brown men, uh, white men, red-skinned, yellow-skinned, brown-skinned, it matters not to God. We are of one blood. We are of one race. And when we begin to treat one another with that same equity and love that we ought to, I believe not only will our society be better, but certainly our churches will be more healthful and more vigorous and more blessed of the Lord. You see, look at the example of the Lord. In our last message regarding this religiosity, uh, we looked at the example from Ezekiel chapter 16, this uh prophecy of the Lord regarding his consideration, his love, and his condescension toward his covenant nation of Israel. And whenever we see the covenant nation of Israel, we as believers in Jesus Christ can see this is how he dealt with us. Well, look in Ezekiel 16, verse 3. Here, this child that has been cast out, it said of his heritage, thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother and Hittite. Now, true, the Israelites were told to be sanctified, to only marry other Israelites, uh, that they were not to uh, take on the rude cultures of the heathens around them. True, they were told to be sanctified. And that, my friends, is a picture, a lesson for us that in the ways of the Word of God, we need to be sanctified from the evils and the sins that abound around us today. But what was God's attitude on this child who's uh, said the nativity was of the land of Canaan? Uh, an outcast of a bastard race, so to speak. Thy father was an Amorite and thy mother an Hittite. Well, in verse six, it said, And when I passed by and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee when thou wast in thy blood, live, yea, I said unto thee when thou wast in thy blood, live. You see, even though the world would say, well, God would have nothing to do with this character, God showed great mercy and love uh, toward this outcast, dead child and gave this child life and gave this child purpose in life. You see, my friends, we need to love one another and we don't need to be seeing ourselves exceptional in some upper caste system. No, my friends, we need to condescend to men of low estate, which means we need to humble ourselves so that we can help others up. God help us to be of that state. But then in verse 33, we read of another one. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, 
He had compassion on him. What was a Samaritan? A Samaritan was a resident of the region of Samaria, and they were well known to be mongrels to the Jews. Well, they were Israelites. Assyrians had been planted within them, and they started intermarrying, and they not only became mongrelized physically in their lineage, but they also became mongrelized in their religion. They only held to the Pentateuch or the five books of Moses. They rejected the rest of what we consider the Old Testament. Uh, their religion was mixed together uh, with idolatry and heathenous religion that had been introduced by the Assyrians. So, But this Samaritan, all the same, how did he respond? He came to where he was. He didn't stand aloof far off and say, man, if you can just crawl your way over here, I'll help you. You know, it's not convenient, but hey, I'll do it, dude. No, this Samaritan got off of his beast and he came right down to where this injured one was who was in so great a need. That's what Jesus did for us, friends. Somebody may say, you need to come to Jesus. But yet the word of God in John chapter six says, no man can come unto me except the father which has sent me draw him. You can't even approach to God unless God has first approached unto you and made a change in you. We see that in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 16, when God was looking down upon the uh, fallen race of man before the world began. In Isaiah 59, 16, it says of God looking upon us, he says, and he saw that there was no man. What does he mean, no man? He saw that there was no man who was worthy and wondered that there was no intercessor. He said that not only was there no man worthy, certainly there was no man to act as an intercessor between an offended God and offensive mankind. And what did God do when he looked down and he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor? Therefore, his arm brought salvation unto him. What does that tell us? Our Lord Jesus came down to where we are of, the, of his own volition and of the charge of God the Father his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness, it sustained him. Now notice this same arm is spoken of in Isaiah chapter 40. As the Lord, our shepherd, Isaiah 40 verse 10, behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand. Oh man, we hear about the Lord coming with strong hand. We think, oh my goodness, he's going to beat me down. He's going to destroy me. But no, listen, behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand. True, this is a strong hand. This is a hand, my friends, is strong enough to destroy the devil. This is the strong of God that's strong enough, my friends, is just the very finger work created the heavens and the earth. But yet this strong hand that could destroy everything that we know materially in this universe with one fell swoop, the Lord God will come with strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. Doesn't sound like he's come to destroy us, friends. Sound like with that strong arm, the arm that was strong enough to save us is also the one that's strong enough to save us while we live day by day here in this world. Oh, my friend, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. I'm telling you, we, friends, we, we're the lambs of God. We don't need to be worried that the Lord's going to get tired of us and crush us in that arm that's able to crush this universe Oh, no, my friends, that arm is to protect us. That arm is to assure us. That arm is to show us his undying, infallible, unfailing love for his children. 
Oh, like a shepherd, he'll lead us. He'll gather the lambs with his arm, carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. You see, my friends, when it comes to saving his people, the whole world has it backwards. They say, you've got to make the step toward God. He's done all that he can. Oh, friends, I'm here to tell you, that man who was left uh, for dead there on that road uh, to Jericho, I'm telling you, he couldn't make a step. He couldn't help. We don't see where he said, spoke, or moved one iota. He was helpless. But this Samaritan came down to where he is. What a beautiful picture of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who came down from heaven not to do his own will, but the will of the Father which has sent him. And he said, that will of the Father was that all that he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. We see as much spoken in the New Testament in Romans chapter 5. Notice this beautiful relationship between a damnable, cursed, filthy, hateful people that in their original natures, that elect people of God would be just as worthy of damnation forevermore in a lake of fire. But notice God's relationship to that people that he calls the elect. Romans chapter 5, verse 6, For when we were yet without strength, all that man on the road to Jericho was half dead. He had no ability but my friends, when it comes to our sin debt, we were completely dead. Ephesians 2 and 1 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. So here he says the same. When you're without strength, what does that mean? It means you're dead. Graveyard dead, without ability, separated from life and the things of life, the motions of life, the emotions of life, uh, the notions of life, the desires of life. We're talking about spiritual life, friends. For when you were yet without strength, Paul wrote, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't die for one good person. Everyone Christ died for were bad people. The elect were bad in their original natures, having fallen in the bastard race of Adam. But Jesus came down, my friends, when we were yet without strength. And in due time, the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for ungodly Joe. He died for ungodly whoever you are. Uh, even though you're a believer and a lover of God, I'm here to tell you when he died for you, when he saved you from your sins, my friends, you weren't living in a godly way. You were living in an ungodly way. And he came to you and he did the saving. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But, but, God commendeth. That commendeth means he held it forward. He showed it forth. God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners. What's he saying there? While you were still dead in trespasses and in sins. Oh, I'm a sinner now being born again in the spirit of God. But in this context, when we were yet sinners means we were dead in sin. Sinning was all we did. It's all we were. Uh, it's like the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. I can tell you, God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm so very thankful that that Samaritan, whom the world would discount, the Jews in that day would have discounted him as being any tender character who would do any good or benevolence to this probable Hebrew who was laying on this road battered and bloody and without hope, without any resources, without any ability. They would say, there's no way the Samaritan would do anything for this man, this probable Hebrew here on this road to Jericho. 
And I can tell you, brothers and sisters, nobody would have ever looked at Jesus Christ and said, there's a savior. That son of a carpenter, that one of Nazareth, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? They would look at him and say, this man is lowly and meek. He dines with publicans and sinners. He dines with harlots. This man is no savior. There's no way he could have any import with God. This man has no power as the Messiah. But yet, my friends, he overcame it all. He overcame death. He overcame the sin of his elect and was raised from a borrowed tomb with power, being declared to be the son of God. Oh, with power, according to the spirit of holiness. Amen. The world discounts Jesus, but he's everything to me. And you keep discounting him if you want to. If you're listening to my voice today and you can't stand Jesus, you hate Jesus, and you hate me for loving him, go on then. Go on. Keep on. Keep on. I'm telling you, I love him because he's caused me to love him. And if you love him today, it's because he came to where you were, sinner friend. He came to where you were. He saw that there was no man. He wondered that there was no intercessor. And I can tell you, Jesus came. Jesus came. Amen. Yes, he did. But God commendeth his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm so thankful that the one whom the world discounts counted me in his number before the world ever began. And he came to bleed and die for me. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, if you believe that you are a sinner and you need salvation, that there's only one Savior, and his name is Jesus. I got good news for you, my friend. Jesus Christ has come to where you are. The one whom this Samaritan represents came in the most vital way, in the eternal way, and has healed you and lifted you up and mollified your wounds eternally before God the Father, and heaven will be your home. Oh, shouldn't we love him? Shouldn't we adore him today? Oh, we'll carry on, Lord willing, with the rest of this account, this parable just as quickly as we speak with you again on this wonderful Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. Until that time, my friends, let's go out and show some mercy. Let's show some love. Let's show some some compassion. And let's be more like this good Samaritan. May God bless you richly today. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under Podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caldonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. 
Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonder.